Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills, where we hear from inspirational people with a passion to make the difference. The tragic death of George Floyd and the massive protests in the United States, here in the UK, and indeed around the world, has brought the enormity of the scourge of racism and the Black Lives Matter movement to the fore. Let's not forget is the powerful message and new campaign of my guest today, Cephas Williams. His is a prominent voice in the UK on the issue of racism with the 56 Black Men campaign, which looks to challenge and change perceptions. Cephas, welcome to Changemakers. Great to have you on the show at this at this really crucial juncture. I mean, let's start with, with, with where we are today. When you saw the protest, I mean, do, do you get a sense that now is the time where change can happen, where protests could lead to the breakthroughs that you and others have spent years campaigning for? Well, I think for me, almost every moment and every time feels like a watershed moment. And then it's almost like the world goes back to sleep again. So for people that might be plugging into the conversation for the first time, it might feel different, but you know, black people are not saying um, well, many black people I know are not saying something new. They're saying what we've been saying uh, for centuries, for, for a very long time. Um, and, in, you know, more recent to our time, for decades, like, black people have been being killed, being um, discriminated against in America and globally. Uh, acts of racism, both overt and subtle forms of racism have existed in Western countries for, and in the UK for what would feel like my lifetime. So do I feel like it's change? Yes and no. No, because, you know, change isn't just about people becoming aware about the situation and, you know, standing or speaking. That's one step. Change is about doing something tangible and practical uh, for years to come and until racism is eradicated uh, about the situation. Yes, I feel like it's different and it feels like change is happening because of the position I'm in. And, you know, I've had CEOs and leaders of some of the world's biggest organisations within their sector uh, send me messages on WhatsApp or send me an email, you know, establishing three common things, I said. Uh, firstly, those emails have been, you know, to express as a human that they do not agree with what's happened to George Floyd and what's been happening for many years to black people. And these leaders have been very specific in that. Secondly, I've seen some leaders um, that have sent me that, that type of email um, express some form of ownership, uh, not in the sense that, you know, they are the direct reason, perhaps why you know, George Floyd died and why uh, racism exists. But one one particular person said, I need to do better in the email. And then thirdly, um, what can we do, Sifas, to align with your message and really bring about change? And something I've been doing for a good number of years, people would have seen me on the forefront, uh, what you expressed as campaigning for uh, black issues and uh, particularly what I articulated as, you know, uh, a focus on 
black men, particularly in Britain and in the wider landscape. But behind the scenes, those that know me uh, and a good number of my senior contacts would know, I've been discussing a wider uh, black British proposition uh, and really creating something that can change the narrative and the landscape in that respect. And so there is this conversation of how do we focus on the economic advancement of black British people, understanding that the people that occupy the positions of power in the various economic, almost power positions are not black. Mm. And to that audience, because obviously when we saw the the Hyde Park protests, I mean, the the front line of, of this issue is the day-to-day experience, it's it's about the police, but obviously you're talking to people that are in positions of authority in large corporations, in businesses. When when that um, question was posed to you, I need to get better, how do I do it? What, what was your answer? So it's interesting, obviously everyone's question comes in a different form, but I think everyone's that, I've, that has contacted me's question is, similar so and i don't think they're asking for one direct answer i think the conversation is i'm open i'm available educate me and work with me to make sure we can inform a better landscape for one black people but also the globe and so you know some and again some relationships are compartmentalized so some relationships are purely business but to be fair and to be honest i do go into most of my business relationships even at senior level is a human first so there is that genuine human to human connection i have with these these leaders and these people so you know it's a personal piece whereby they're learning from me as well mm. sometimes being the closest thing or the closest representation to the black truck so it's not a one it's not a one question answer of you know how do we fix this it's a relationship piece and it's you know a, a series of kind of slowing down, listening, um, and also genuinely wanting to see a change. And aligning values is a really big piece for me. And I'll end on this. When I talk about aligning values, sometimes you try to overcomplicate that notion. And it's as simple as this. Do you feel that black people should be treated differently based on the colour of their skin? And if your value system says no, then we need to work out a detailed agenda and programme that will mean that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to come, black people are no longer treated differently as a result of the colour of their skin because we've aligned economically and within various power positions to change the almost historical uh, uh, systematic hierarchy that has been imposed upon society based on um, the connotations and the realities of, of history and what the West has done. Yeah, I mean, I've I've known you for a long time. I'm just sat here trying to work it out. I mean, I think I think I first met you nearly ten nearly ten years ago. Can you believe it? When we over ten years launched ago. the Startup Britain campaign, and I remember you as a young aspirant, bright entrepreneur. Um, actually, there on the very launch day that that we launched it. And when when you think about that that decade of change since, in terms of how how you've grown as a person and how you see this situation are, are are you at this stage now i mean i mean i mean do you feel that 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 things in 2020 feel that you've got more of a sense of what might be achieved than you did back then or are we in a much worse situation do you think i feel like so 
I coined this idea that every black person at some point, not everybody, you know, a lot of black people at some point come to what I've coined as the second realisation. And, you know, the second realisation is to me when you realise you're black for the second time, and it usually happens in the face of some form of injustice that is related to the colour of your skin. Now, for me, when I met you uh, all those years ago, I hadn't come to that realisation yet. So I hadn't really fully appreciated and fully accepted that the landscape was unfair or, you know, not conducive for the success of my trajectory. I hadn't fully come to grips with that. I hadn't fully come to appreciate or grips with the fact that people would look at me different or would take me different. And I feel like I had some type of competitive edge to some degree because I didn't come to grips with it because I didn't let it affect the way I approached conversations. Mm-hmm. So I was the type of person that would walk up to you. I remember that day I met um, Peter Jones and Duncan Bannertine, and I believe I met you guys as well. And, you know, I would just have a, a general conversation because I'm connecting with you on a human-to-human level. Now, in the back of my mind at the, that time, I'm not thinking, you know, this person is looking at me a certain type of way. But even though I had those kind of conversations, but I didn't, I didn't have the robust richness of what systematic and, you know, unconscious bias and what real racism meant. So there's so many opportunities that I wasn't able to necessarily capitalise on because there was that disconnecting cultural appreciation, because those systematic notions did exist, but I wasn't able to successfully navigate or articulate myself out of the situation. So 10 years on from that, I am now someone who has experienced overt racism, at which point it then triggered the second realisation. And as a result made me say... I have to now focus on the black conversation. Right. And, and in terms of that second realisation, was it, was, it, was it a journey or was it a moment in terms of, I mean, was there, was there a trigger moment or, or, or was this just something that, that is, was a general state of awareness that, 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 that sort of built over time? It was, it was a mixture of both. And the trigger moment was only realised upon reflection. So when I was doing Drummer Boy Studios, which you already know about, and I was in front of all these interesting conversations to regenerate the community and all these you know, millions of pounds and all of that with regards to funding opportunities, and I was directly speaking to some funders, some investors, some partners, and we were looking at you know, redeveloping spaces in our community that were conducive to you know, increasing the appetite for access and the ability for access to communities and particularly the creative industry. When I approached the council about issues we were facing at the time with a landlord, you know, that didn't want us to be there for whatever reason, that council, not council, the person in the council, he wasn't a council, he was an officer, said to me, white man, he says, when it comes to issues with the black community, you don't talk directly to us. You talk to this one person. There was a black guy in the community. It wasn't even a councillor or something. And that's, that is where the trigger moment happened. But at the time, I didn't appreciate it as the trigger moment. I just took it as, one, I knew it was racist, but then I knew that, okay, boom, these men are not going to help me, so I've still got to focus on building Drummer Boy Studios by myself, right? It wasn't until they actively continued trying to get us out the building, they called the police, which was another trigger moment, then when the police came, they said, on our system, it said two black boys broke into a block of flats, and we had to talk to the police about the position and they said, well, we should have never been called. This is a waste of our time. But, you know, all these different things. And that was the birth of 56 black men, that period where it was like, if I don't change the landscape now, if I just focus on getting myself to this position, then my kids will still be having this conversation 
30 years, 50 years ago. I need to create something to actually change the whole narrative. And don't let's lose 56 Black Men because, because you know, that, that was all about challenging stereotypes. It was there to, to basically confront people. Get, get, pick up the story. I, this is for you to say, not me, but get that, just, just, just tell us about it. So for me, it was the combination of the fact that I was in front of so many important you know, opportunities. So to give context, we were in front of a £70 million regeneration match fund. Uh, we were in front of a 22,000 square foot building. The owners had uh, offered £1 million towards capital contribution. We were looking at investment. We were uniting the creative industries, so music, film, media, fashion, enterprise, gaming, talking to CEOs and leaders from across those industries to really help create this hub that would be a space that you know people could have access for, for one of many things. And I wasn't getting support. At the same time, as a black man, I wasn't getting support. And that was made evident when the, when the person in the council said, you don't talk to us when it comes mm-hmm. to this stuff. Right? At the same time, every time I looked at the newspaper, it was knife crime, knife crime, knife crime, violence, violence, violence. And so the image of the black man had meant that I can't walk into the council and have a business to business, that bit of dialogue to help navigate my journey without the colour of my skin being used to block me. And again, that is the second realisation because that has happened to me throughout my lifetime. But mm. I never appreciated it or let, it never settled in that this was a systemic issue of racism. The other issue here in terms of the stereotype was, of course, the hoodie and the way you brought that. I mean, I mean, 56 Black Men, for, for, for listeners that haven't seen it, is, is an amazing campaign. I mean, just very quickly, because I want to move on to let's not forget, but, but, in, but in terms of just for those that, that, that can't see it right now, bring it to life for us in terms of what it is. So the, 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 the hoodie was more so part of the artistic direction uh, than part of the technical conversation how i explain it of late is you know i see the world as a big tedx talk and everybody you've got 60 people in this tedx talk and you've got 60 you've got an hour and you everyone's got a minute to communicate their message in this world and so i have a minute to communicate a world of experiences and so i used the hoodie as an article and as a symbolic image that i knew would evoke uh, the right emotion to channel change in both black boys and black men and the wider black community and our non-black, you know, counterparts, humans that live in this world, to foster conversation around really changing the narrative. And the, the idea for me was that, you know, the images often associated with the, that negativity were of people, either in hoodies or in, in black men, either in hoodies or in casual clothing. However, I wear hoodies, I wear casual clothing. I am part of this I am the reflection of that campaign and I'm a business person mm. or I've been introduced as a business, I've been introduced as an entrepreneur. So at that point, it's like the young black guy that's growing up in the community that sees that image to him. It's like the, the stereotype no longer has to be like, you know, if it's not knife crime or violence, then it's rapping or it's football. Actually, I could be a business person. Actually, there's th- that guy is a, if corporates were to do something like this, they would have called it 56 Bane Men and everyone would have been wearing suits and ties smiling. And again, my core message and mission was to the younger generation and that completely wouldn't have aligned. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my core message was to the media to stop only representing black men in that particular way in association to negativity. At the same time, it was almost this cold stare to unify um, the power of the message to say this isn't a joke and it needs to change it wasn't a comical piece 
it was a piece to say we stand together and we're not going anywhere. Kind of. It's a very powerful piece. And another powerful message from you, Tifas, is is the new campaign, Let's Not Forget. Um, it commemorates and remembers those that lost their lives in racist attacks, in particular the US, where you remember George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery. Um, tell us more about it. So for me... I was very sensitive about whether we aligned 56 black men or myself to the death of uh, George Floyd and, and, and many other African-Americans that have sparked this almost new awakening globally and the murder of those people. Because people actually died. But at the same time, you know, it was a moment whereby you were getting this heightened level of consciousness across the globe, particularly in the UK. And what I didn't want to see is for us to miss out on an opportunity to really almost help contribute to how we can inform uh, some of that uh, thought leadership and that change. So I'd actually gone on a walk with my partner after hearing everything and being so ingrained in what was going on and actually feeling really heavy hearted. Me and my partners went out for a walk to just disconnect from everything for a while. And when we went out for a walk, we kept on talking about, you know, people are going to forget this moment and everything, you know, people are going to go back to business as usual. It feels like white people in the UK and our non-black allies that are not necessarily white, but are not black, um, are starting to appreciate the realities of racism because it was, it, was, it was caught on camera in such a heinous way, but, you know, made us really reflect into our own life and, you know, in many ways. But then people forget because it always happens, always happens. And I went back and later on that night, I was looking at brands and their efforts to try and align and assert themselves with a message. And then I felt I would almost be doing the community a disfavour if I didn't use the brand position of 56 black men and my strategic positioning behind the scenes to align ourselves with a message that was one, genuine, and not from a brand that has no real connection to black empowerment, to really speak from the tone of voice of the black man and the black community. And so with our strapline being, let's change the narrative for life, I started to detail actually, okay, so if we say, let's not forget, let's start to talk about all the things we mustn't forget, but then how about we start to talk about what we must change in line with the tone of voice of 56 Black Men and our mission and to change the And you have a very sort of public platform with this, don't you? You have, a, you have a partnership that's going to make sure that this is on billboards. So it's already on, it's already on billboards. So it's, it's on billboards nationwide. We're in conversations behind the scenes to really amplify it across various media platforms. Um, we can talk about some of that off record, but you know, my mission really is to captivate a lot of what's happening. And it, again, it can very much sometimes feel like loads of uh, siloed efforts, which are great and are amazing. But how do we make sure this moment doesn't escape us? And we are strategically doing something at primary level to help usher in and you know, solidify some of this mm. long-lived change. And that's what the campaign wants to be, uh, wants to contribute mm. towards. And then I'm working on something behind the scenes that will really start to tie into that. The, the, the the, we're we're the, running out the of time. But I mean, the thing about what I've always really liked about you, CFS, is that, you you know, you are an optimistic character. You're positive. You're, you're a person that is is out there to try and really affect and make change. There will be many people that will listen to an interview like this and they will they will say that I don't want to stand on the on the sidelines here. I, I have authority, I have 
position, I have an opportunity to try and affect change. But I might not know what the first step is to take. If you were to leave listeners with a piece, a call to action, what to do next, what to do after having listened to the words that you're saying, they're hearing, they're watching, what happens next? So I couldn't just give them one thing. I have to give them two. The first thing would be to speak. I was on a Zoom conference yesterday uh, with Jude Kelly and a number of other leaders within the creative space. And I was I was asked by someone, well, not asked, they said, we didn't know what to say. Uh, a guy, he's a leader of one of these big creative institutions, we didn't know what to say. So we were thinking we needed a campaign company to really deliver an effective message and X, Y, Z, and the rest. So we haven't said anything yet. And I said to him, you know, he said, he, we didn't want to step on anyone's toes. We didn't want to be insensitive. At the same time, we appreciate that we haven't been there for the black community before. So it could feel like we're jumping in the bandwagon, but we don't believe that what happened is right. And I said to him, exactly what you just said to me, put in a statement and say it to the world. I said, you're going to potentially get some backlash because people will tell you that, you know, where have you been? But when you've put that statement out, and that honest statement out, bolster it up with some real commitments to make a change. And... You know, the realities of the fact is sometimes business can make us lose our understanding or appreciation of what it is to be human. And so being a human first, you can actually express your human views. The last point I'd say to that effect is I'm working on stuff behind the scenes. And so if people are interested in joining forces with what I'm doing for the broader conversation, I would say, please get in touch with Seven Hills. My inbox is completely flooded. Sorry to kind of put you on the spot, but you know, really looking at aligning some leaders, and I've already started doing so behind the scenes, CEOs, executives, to really help bring about real systemic and economic change within the landscape of the Black British community and our wider... Cephas, thank uh, you so allies. much. And, and Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it at the end because we are thrilled and proud to support the work that, that you are doing. And so it's therefore a, a great pleasure to thank my guest today, the inspiring... Cephas Williams, an extraordinary change maker who is part of a momentous movement with a defining mission. And I think the call out is this. Never forget, remember the names of black victims of violence and speak out. Root out racism once and for all and make the change by delivering the social justice that this world needs. Join me next time for the next Change Makers.